and welcome to the season premiere of the Horizon Roundtable. Really excited to have a nice, you know, we're getting to that point where we're getting to start uh, basketball season up. I'm Bob McDonald. I'm uh, still over at Campus Press Box, and I am still on Twitter. Donald, uh, my co-host as always, Jimmy Lemke. He is, of course, forthcoming, and he is over at PantherU.com, and you can reach him via Twitter at PantherU. And today, big day, we have ourselves a, uh, a third guest with us. Uh, Paul Oren is here. Hey, what's up? Yes. Oren, of course, uh, the ubiquitous writer of Valparaiso basketball, and in <laughs> fact, all Horizon League goings on um, over at the uh, Times of Northwest Indiana. Um, Paul, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter at NWI Oren, O-R-E-N. Right. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find me on Twitter. And uh, NWI.com is the newspaper website. And uh, you've got to search like a scavenger hunt to find the Inside VU blog. But if you just Google Inside VU, NWI.com, you should be able to find it, no problem. And Jimmy, of course, um, I see that you did. Uh, you are here, so uh, feel free to go ahead and uh, say hello, sir. Hello. Am I? Are we? Are we already rolling? Is that what's going on? We are rolling, <laughs> rolling Jimmy. We're yes. rolling. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, I, I'm having a little bit of dis, uh, disconnection problems with my laptop, so I'm actually on my phone. After the off season, after the off season, the Panthers had. I can understand why you wanted to stay wow. away a little longer. I've been disconnected for quite a while. This is actually my first real jump right back into everything. It's, right. It feels good. Feels good. Feels like just yesterday we were all and, hanging out at Joe Louis Arena. And by we, we mean you. Oh, I wasn't hanging um, out at Joe Louis Arena. So I yeah, the, I was. <laughs> so the one thing I wanted to talk about just kind of to kick things off is um, one of the things that did not happen this year, and which is struck me as kind of surprising, maybe not – elsewhere is that uh, the Horizon League usually has their uh, media day every year. Um, this year they didn't, as it turns out. Usually that, you know, they're, you know, I know the last couple of years they've been up in Chicago, um, but this year it just, uh, it just didn't, didn't really happen. Yeah, I would, I would say if, uh, if I can chime in here that sure. um, I think the, the answer to this of why it didn't happen is threefold. One, They've had it in Chicago the last couple of years, but um, it really seems that either Detroit or Indianapolis would be the better call. Uh, I know that last year they were considering doing it in Detroit, but they wanted to have it in Chicago because they wanted to piggyback on Big Ten Media Day. So last year they had it in Chicago the day before Big Ten Media Day, and nary a national reporter showed up to Horizon League Media Day. They were thinking that they could – you know, if people were coming into Chicago early, they could come over and, and you know, talk to Kay Felder, talk to Alec Peters, and that didn't happen. So, uh, and then with Bill Potter and Craig Hamill, the two communication uh, savants at the Horizon League, kind of going their separate ways this year. Uh, both took jobs, uh, Bill Potter with the American Athletic Conference and then Craig Hamill at North Carolina State, and had both happening kind of relatively late in the summer, I think, um, this year, they decided against it. They did have all of the coaches down in Indianapolis to do similar type things that they've done in the past. But uh, was it a bummer? Yeah, because they always 
put on a good show for the media, and, and it was nice to be able to go see a lot of the athletes and go see a lot of the coaches. But I can also understand, and I don't really blame the conference for not having it this year. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to be. La- I mean, it seemed to be last year, and obviously, you could speak to it a little better from last year's standpoint than this year's. You know, I know that from a Cleveland State standpoint, I know. Elton Alexander with Elton Alexander from the Plain Dealer, um, and neither was um, the other main beat writer that Cleveland State has, which is Dave Glazier. I know both of them. I know uh, Elton is, you know, he not only does he do, do Cleveland State, but he's just heavy into the Mac. I mean, that's like really his thing. And then, you know, Glazier with everything else that's going on in the News Herald, they've got him all over the place. They've got, you know. Division three college football. They've got him on the Cavs. They've got him everywhere. So, um, kind of made sense to me that they weren't there. And I, I would I would say this. I would say this, and I, and 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 you know I'm from Milwaukee, mm-hmm. so I'm from Jimmy's neck of the woods. And and I've said this before. Every every school, really, with the exception of Valpo, is in a market that they don't dominate the media coverage of. And and I'll be honest with you, Valpo doesn't dominate the media coverage around here too. So in this day and age of newspapers, can the Cleveland Plain Dealer afford to send Elton Alexander to Chicago, put him up for a night no. in for Cleveland State men's basketball? No offense to the Cleveland State fans, but like, you know, especially now with Indians, <laughs> even with the Browns, like – Every yeah. week, you got to write a story about who the new quarterback's going to be. Um, it, uh, it's it's I, I can see why. They, yeah. <laughs> Funny What's you mentioned that, by the way, because I'm going to be. Uh, I'm sorry, Jimmy. What was that? Well, I, I, I was going to say that you know the the Horizon League also has a lot of costs that are just incurred by having that media day, anyways. Yeah. I thought they would have had some sort of some sort of media day like Skype session or something. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That <laughs> yeah, would have made a lot of sense too. Yeah. I, honestly, I think the three of us can just host a media day right here. Yep. See, that's what I was saying. Yeah. By the way, that's the title. That's the title of this episode. No media day, no problem. Um, and by the way, interesting you mentioned um, the kind of situation over at the Plain Dealer, which, by the way, spent five months without between writing Cleveland State stories. So I sp- basically spend every week making fun of that for no reason. Um, but yeah, the, but the, 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 the landscape has kind of, especially in Cleveland, is basically, you know, unless you're the, you know, we are, we are seeing a, tr- a renaissance of, of sorts. You've got the Cavs who won, you have the Indians. You have the Browns who are awful, but you know everybody watch, loves watching a train wreck. So ultimately, you see kind of how, and and given kind of the change in the media, um, the way you know it's been covered based on things like you know it's cost and analytics and all that. You know, sad to say, Cleveland State pretty much is getting voted off the island, which is why the only, which is why, <laughs> yes. And the nature of the business. This is why. I, this is why apparently you know people come to me to read stuff every week because you know I'm the only one who is reading writing things every week. Which is, well, the good news is you get something every week. The bad news is it's me writing it. <laughs> so there's that. So there's that. It's it's kind of. I don't know. I, I I know that Milwaukee. We have Todd Rosiak is the guy who's been doing the beat for the last few years, and he he really yeah. um, he does the Brewers too. And 
I'm sure that what it is is do we really want to do we really care to send somebody down for another, you know, send him down for that. And he probably could just take a week off in between the in between the seasons. Well, hey, I covered the Horizon League tournament for the Milwaukee paper in March because Todd was off the spring training. And so I was a pinch hitter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, which was a big thrill for me to get my name in the I remember you posted that on Facebook. It was, it, was, it was a big deal for you. Yeah. I was very excited. I actually I have the, uh, the papers not far from where I am. I like that. <laughs> and I think to, to that point, I mean, you, you see you – know, and it's kind of one of the drawbacks of the fact that the Horizon League's teams are – by and large, major market teams in major market cities, where the consequence yeah. of that is that you are going to end up having writers with those bifurcated roles, like you know somebody who's covering this, but also um, you see that in Milwaukee, you obviously see that in Cleveland, um, Chicago. I can almost guarantee that's what's going on. Well, I don't. I don't think anybody covers, especially with sports. I don't think anybody covers one thing. Paul does several different things for the Times. Yeah, you know, uh, I got high school high school volleyball playoffs this weekend. Get excited! I didn't. It didn't. Uh, didn't Mark Lazarus get his current job on the Blackhawks because he was covering the Blackhawks for the Times too? Yeah, uh, for the Post Tribune. Yes, he was doing that, and then uh, he was tapped to be the Blackhawks writer and. Then they went on strike, so they said, "Okay, well, we're going to put you in as the Notre Dame reporter." And so it was it was fun to talk to him about his Twitter followers because he basically got the entire Notre Dame fan base to follow him on Twitter, and then he started tweeting that nonstop about the Blackhawks. And <laughs> apparently, those two fans don't play nice with each other. Which um, that yeah, seems kind of secret. All be Chicago I mean, you, you have Notre Dame, and then you have hockey. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, well, yeah, alas, alas, we are uh, we are less than a month away from the start of the college basketball season. I'm thrilled. I'm guessing you guys are as well. Sorta. <laughs> yeah, thrilled as a thrilled as a I don't know what I. I, I don't know what I the, have the in team my team, Sammy. <laughs> the team I that I cover is picked to finish first. Your, the teams that you guys are fans of are not picked to finish. No, I mean, no, I, no, I, no, I'm really excited to see so, Alec Peters as a senior. I think that's going to be awesome. I really am too. I mean, <laughs> I just can't wait to see. So that that, that that kind of brings me up to the, you know the the team to beat is far and away Valpo, and you know even with the coaching change, it's really kind of doesn't matter. It does because you still have Alec Peters, you got Shane Hammock, you got all the you know you, you kind of still have that cohesiveness, and it's it's we're at a point where it's Valpo and everybody else beating each other up for second place at this point. Same, I think I had that same prediction. Yeah. Well, they got to play the games, but yes, there's no question that Alec Peters is far and away yeah. the best player in the league. Uh, the kid is a beast. What he's done this summer after going through the NBA workouts and then yeah. going to the Nike Hoop Summit in L.A., he's just a machine. The, the problem, the, the question with Peters is, can he handle all of this pressure that's on him right now? Because this, I mean, I can't even, can you imagine the shoulders of of not only an entire program being on a kid, but because Valpo's never really had that because they've always had a Drew to kind of deflect. I mean, that was the face of the program. And... And I wonder 
Maybe Kay Felder last year, Sykes the years before. But when's the last time in the Horizon League that a program has really been about one player? Yeah, And is. look, Valpo's got a lot of really good players. But, I mean, Peters is a third-team preseason All-American, according to many different publications. I ju- that is That is an awful, awful lot of pressure. And I guess – how many points does he need to score in the first game of the year for the fans to say that he's living up to the expectations? Yeah. I mean, does he have to score 30 against Southern Utah in the first game? What if he comes out and scores 12 points and gets six rebounds? Are are, are people going to, you know, start jumping off the bridge? I don't know. Well, here's what I here's my thought about that because this is, you know, um, you brought up the preseason, you know, you too. And now I understand that obviously there's a different dynamic going on between that and, you know, the expectations of a season. But you're talking about a guy who was able to get into, you know, the pre-draft workouts and was able to really shine for NBA teams. Forget, forget you know, whoever, you know, forget Southern Utah or whoever else, Valpo outs for, you know, NBA teams. And, um I think that actually brings up another point because this is actually something that I know some of the high major teams did. They said to their players, hey, yeah, go ahead and, you know, go into these pre-draft workouts. Um, You may, there's a very high likelihood you're going to end up back here, but you're still going to get the exposure. You're still going to get time. So, you know, go for it. And I think that experience really, um, I think that's going to, I think to me at least, I think that's going to kind of allay any of the pressure that is going to be on him right from the outset. I, I, I do think that. I don't know. I think it, I think it, I think it adds, it adds pressure because now, 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 now everybody comes in thinking that this guy is just a little bit away from being an NBA player. Does he have to perform as an NBA player against all these college kids. I mean, it's almost like he has to be like a man among boys in every single game he plays. Even some of these high major games, just because he's the, you know, he's the one that was just off the draft board for almost everybody. So I, I think if anything, it's going to add. Well, is it because he is the only, is it because he is, far and away the best player in the league and it's him you know we, we put him up on this pedestal that we have him on based and this separate from you know years past where it's always been a couple of guys like last year it was him and Kay Felder it was Ale- it was um it was him and Sykes and um Alec Brown or in years past where you had a Gordon Hayward, you had a you know Norris Cole, a Shelvin Mack, and they were all playing. Is, is the question that we don't have that second guy that kind of stands out? Is that why the pal than it was previously? I just think that Peter's... Or am I missing that second guy? <laughs> no, I don't think there's a second guy. I mean, Jalen Hayes is a good player, but I don't think Jalen Hayes is being looked at like those other guys have been looked at in the past. Yeah. Um, so I just, the way that Peters ended last season with just this miracle run through the NIT when he's just dominated every game again, it's as I sit here today and I just think to myself, you know, he's, he's going to go down 
as the all-time leading scorer, the all-time leading rebounder in program history, it it's kind of, it, it feels like a bonus that Valpo's gotten a fourth season out of him when he could have gone to the yeah. NBA or could have transferred anywhere else. So, it, and and look, and just what you're saying, Bob, at the beginning is that well, Valpo's got Alec Peters; they're the team to beat, but he's yeah. still got to go out and do it. Um, and look, I think he can, but Valpo is oh, more than like one guy, and. I can also point out, I can also point out that there's a lot of coaches in this league that have had success against Alec Peters. I mean, Oakland has had success against Peters. Um, you know, for, for uh, uh, maybe some would would argue that Valpo's won you know a fair amount of games against them, but uh, Wright State did a good job of kind of uh, making life pretty difficult for Valpo last year. So it's. Um, It'll be curious. It'll be curious to see what happens. The other name that you mentioned, though, if we're talking yeah. Valpo, is Shane Hamming. And this kid is going to be a beast this year. If you can uh, if you can buy some stock in, in Shane Hamming, I'd say get on that now. I think they're going to play more of an off-the-ball role for him. You know, what he did down the stretch yeah. of the year in the NIT run just kind of illustrates how good he can be. And I do think that you're going to see a really, really good – motivated player here in his senior year it is because of that it's because they've got that it's because valpo has always had always had that kind of more of a cohesive team um dynamic to them is 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 why i think it is even more beyond why you know the the alec peters thing is why i think they're they're still you know to to, to win this league, and that that's that's my primary thought on that. And I would say that Tavon Walker, who is the third best player in Valpo's team, yeah, is probably the number one or number two best player on a lot of teams in the Horizon League. Ooh, I would love to have him. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Rob Edwards, who is going to be a very very good guy. I'd love to have a, I'd love to have an Edwards Walker you know tandem in, in, in that Cleveland State roster right now. <laughs> so I think that Valpo has enough of a has enough of a berth in the talent gap that they're going to cruise through the Horizon League fairly easily. I don't I don't think anybody would would be you know undefeated in this thing like Butler did. You know, and we've talked about that. Fight, one of the final four years. And we've but, talked about that before in the episodes yeah. past that nobody ever runs the table in the Horizon League. The the you will you know you'll have teams that do phenomenally, but by and large, nobody's going to run the table. Yeah, prizes. Yeah. There. there was one. There was one, and they were a couple inches away from. There was one, and they were a couple inches away from being national champions. So, it's. It's it's definitely uh, a heady company to be in. Um, I I do think the talent level of the Horizon League is down this year. Overall, I was certainly where the like, Milwaukee has just fallen completely apart, and uh, just you know that trans the transition is just something that it's going to take a couple of years just to even get back to that. But you got to be happy with Laval Jordan. I think he's going to be a fantastic coach there. Oh my God! Like I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I didn't even think that he would be on the, you know, on the, on the list of coaches that we could get. I was pretty excited, especially after 
you know, Butler had their opening and, you know, a few years back and he was the favorite of so many guys on that, on those message boards. I mean, so many of them were like, it's time for Lavelle Jordan. It's time for Lavelle Jordan. He's, you know, he's our, he's our next guy. And then as it turns around, it turns out that he, his, his first head coaching job is this one. Um, I was really excited that, you know, Brad Stevens really kind of came, you know, said, you know what, you got to take that job. Uh, if on the, on the surface, Milwaukee is a really great job. So uh, it was it was good to see that they were able to kind of look past some of the <laughs> some of the infighting and all that stuff. But I, I don't know. I, 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 Man, DeBron still didn't she? Oh yeah, I, I, it's not like I can't read her tweets. All you need to do is just not be logged into Twitter and go to her her Twitter account. It's not like it's not like it's something. Yeah. By the way, I'm surprised I got. I, I'm honestly surprised, Jimmy. Seriously, I'm honestly surprised I haven't gotten the guilt by association block yet. But that's okay. You know, again, I will continue to be. I will continue to be your good cop to your bad cop. Well, I don't know if Amanda Braun pays enough attention to Twitter to give anybody association to me. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, I I don't expect her to be around for forever. The the thing that the thing that really kind of oh god. Well, okay, what I was gonna say is the uh, the thing that kind of just bothers me going into this year is uh, they, you know they handle the transition they hired Lavelle Jordan and then there's really they haven't really done anything else to really trim up the excitement, uh, which is kind of annoying because the whole idea of a transition you have to get people on it like right away and. Our, our ticket manager, along with you know, damn near half of the uh, half of the athletic department, has vamoosed. They're they're all gone. Um, wow! In the last three years, yeah. I I kind of feel like, I, as I was gonna say, I kind of feel like this being the season premiere episode here of uh, of Horizon Roundtable. There should have been like like at the Oscars when they do like an in memoriam of all the people that have left us. Uh, <laughs> there's just so many people oh, that have man. left the conference and the schools, whether it be the uh, you know the coaches or the kind of the behind the scenes people oh, that sure. the fans don't see, like the media people or a lot of the uh, you know sports information directors and all that sort that of thing. True. It's just it's crazy. That's crazy. And and time out here. Let me, well, we we will always have Jerry Slocum. Yes, but can, so. let, in in all seriousness, <laughs> can, can I take a serious moment and say, uh, certainly rest in peace to Joel Cornette, Butler great, uh, longtime friend of the Horizon League. Oh, crushing, yeah. crushing news. I was so so sad. Crushing I couldn't news. believe that when I read that. I didn't mean to bring wow. it down here, but I just felt like this was a moment to say, Joel, we love you, buddy. Yeah, definitely, definitely a guy that uh, several Milwaukee fans who had been around for you know a long time will will kind of say that he he was very much a guy uh, that that Matt Tybee, the guy who just graduated from our team, is kind of like a poor man's Joel Cornette as far as that you know that 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 passion on the on the court, and I certainly will I'll personally miss. Uh, you know th- those late night Twitter trash talk sessions with with Joel about Butler hoops. 
and I, I really love that. Even you know, even though Butler was gone, and even though he was all graduated, you know, I was, I was very happy to see that Joel Cornett, especially, was, you know, still very much involved in the Horizon League as a conference, still very much kept he up was. with it, still passionate about it. So it, it it wasn't it wasn't like he was somebody who, you know, we haven't heard from for a long time. He's somebody who's been there for quite a while, and I was I was, you know, was crushed. The one thing I do remember about Joel Cornette, and this is actually something from many years ago. I, the one thing I will never forget about Joel Cornette, it was I think it was during their Sweet Sixteen run when Lick Lighter mm-hmm. was coach. I think it was two thousand three. And somebody had asked him a question about, you know, being a mid-major, getting to this point, and he, you know, we're we're going for the championship. I mean, it was like he was prophetic in his in his words. I mean, this was two thousand. I want to say this is like two thousand three. And you know, fast forward, you know, seven years later, they're in the national championship game. So I always think about that when I think Joel Cornette. So, but yeah, he's he's definitely a guy who you know we'll all miss. My my favorite. My favorite people uh, in the Horizon League are people that I would I would describe as pro- program guys, and whether you're talking about players or coaches or you know even you know fans, journalists, everybody. I, I really look at you know Joel Cornett as that prototypical program guy. You know he's he was definitely you know if you're thinking of Butler, and you're not maybe picking up a list of the be- you know the best players. But the players that most embody, you know, when you think of Butler, what are the what are the players that who are the players I love to hate? Who are the you know, the Joel, Joel Cornett is definitely one of those guys that's at the top of that list. Uh, he's definitely one of the one of the people yeah. that most identifies with Butler basketball. So it just just crushing. And, and it, I, 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 I I agree with you. Yeah, it, it was it was just crushing to me. Let's can we transition because I agree with you, but uh, I don't want to bring it down too much. Uh, is Matt Tybee one of those guys for you? I mean, five years from now, six years from now, are you still going to think of Matt Tybee as a, like an embodiment of Milwaukee basketball, or or Jimmy? Did he come along at a time that was kind of like a uh, a tough, frustrating time for Milwaukee? Well, I mean, you know that that sophomore year of his where we went, you know, we got, you know, pick for a ninth, go and win the conference tournament. Uh, I think that's what a lot of people remember. And I, I think that people are just, you think of Matt Tybee and yeah, the guy that will have that Milwaukee uniform. And I'm sure the fans that love to hate Milwaukee would love, you know, would, would be thinking of Tybee as one of those guys because he's one of those, one of those players like Cornette. If he's not one on your team, you just hate him. Yeah. One of my favorite players of all time. Yeah. I, I, I think as far as like involvement with the program, um, yeah. I think it really depends on. I think it really depends on her as a, how you know if she's still around. Yeah, yeah, I, that's yeah. that's the that's the almost universal feel, and I I, I do want to reiterate that there are only a handful of people that really thought that Rob Jeter, you know, on camp there, you know very much a handful of people that thought Rob Jeter was the right guy for the job. I was obviously one of them and there are very few of us, but even people who didn't have, you know, who didn't have, you know, support for Rob Jeter as our basketball coach, a lot of them, you know, we're going into this season and they're saying, you know, I really just can't get it until she's gone. 
and that's a little frustrating to hear because the whole idea of transition is you have to get people excited. Uh, you have to get people excited enough that they're willing to live with a couple of years that we're going to have some, we're going to have some pretty tough basketball for the next couple of years. And hopefully it's something that's exciting, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I, I look at Amanda almost like, you know, we had these problems when she came in in 2013 and the guy that we should have hired is this guy named Paul Plinsky from Whitewater. And I feel like, like we were sick. Like, like we as a, as a, as a body, as the Milwaukee athletics had, had we were, we were, we were ill. And Paul Plinsky was the guy who's saying, all right, you know what we should do is we should, you know, come in here and take some antibiotics and take some, take some pills and start feeling better over time. And we'll start correcting things. And I really look at Amanda as this, this surgeon who has said, all right, it's time to start cutting everything out. Let's, let's start, you know, let's, let's cut all these things. Let's start slashing at the body that is Milwaukee athletics. And then that'll, you know, once we get the, the tumor out, then we're, then we're fine. And the problem is, is that, you know, the uh, whatever whatever good or bad Amanda Braun's done for the program, she's still that scalpel that's gotten now gotten sewn into the body that's Milwaukee Athletics, and it's not exactly the best thing to have a scalpel just sewn into your side. Like I just feel like she's just as long as she's there, she's gonna be digging in and cutting into our flesh. And us, there's just so many people. It's like it's hard to be excited. I haven't even had lunch yet today. This it's it's hard to be excited when when you know that you're going to be seeing her. I, I, personally, I mean, we did enough. We did enough. We 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 definitely. Um, and by we, I mean you know everybody who was throwing up a, you know, throwing up a storm. It wasn't obviously it wasn't just me. There were plenty of people inside and outside the department. There are plenty of people who are on on campus that usually don't have anything to do with athletics that were rattling the cages. Um, you know, we had a st- you know a state senator, Lena Taylor, who you know who's always been kind of a ancillary character in Milwaukee athletics because she's an alum and she's not really around a lot, but or she, she's around, but she's never, never very vocal. But it was great to see her really you know kind of take a role. You know, I, I I don't know if you know I don't I don't I don't know about crying racism and all that stuff, but all that really left all that really kind of pointed the university and I, I think it was Mark Money that made the ultimate decision on hiring Laval Jordan. Um, I, it, I, allegations of racism or whatnot. The fact of the matter is, is that in three years, I'm not going to be looking over my shoulder for the NCAA clearinghouse Calvary Calvary because Amanda's choice is not our basketball coach. That's, that's a big, big deal to me. And I, I, I was astounded that a guy like Laval Jordan could even be in our it couldn't it could have even been one of our choices and I'm really happy that he was because I think we're really off you know we're really off to a great start in the near future but man I uh, I just it's it's how you know how can we really support him? When it's hard, it's going to be hard for a lot of people to go to games and to see see that one face up in the stands. Um, just just really, you know, this person that came through when she started. There, there's about forty. I want to say it's forty four full time staff members uh, that they list on the staff directory at the university. 
Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy, let me cut you off for a second because I'm a, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, and I know that in 2008 when Ted Thompson got rid of Favre, yeah, I know it was hard for a lot of people to, to kind of yeah. be like, okay, I'm going to go support the Packers even though I can't stand Ted Thompson for doing what he did. Right. Uh, but those fans still supported the team. So and maybe that's not the best analogy, but uh, you know what? I, look, if I'm a Milwaukee fan – and uh, I, I got to think that Laval Jordan is the right choice. He's a great choice. What alarms me more than anything is that your boy Cody Wickman is the leading returning scorer this year. And uh, so it'll probably take a year or two, but I think that the fans got to get behind Laval Jordan. That's And they're going to be there. I'm going to be there. It's just a matter of that excitement. Actually, I, I shouldn't say they're all going to be there. I, I, there are definitely people who are not very interested until, you know, that face is gone. But I, I mean, I, I would, to, I would say to all those people, you know, show up and voice your displeasure. You know, if there's a, if there's something that you have a problem with, you know, and nobody has a problem with Laval Jordan. I, I think everybody is, just about everybody is excited to see Laval Jordan as our coach. Um, it's just, it's just that it's, it's the hard breaks of transition and this transition was especially difficult for other reasons. So uh, it's just gonna, it's just gonna take time. So you, you two are struggling here. I'm sorry. What? You've got Milwaukee that's transitioning. You've got Cleveland state who every good basketball player has transferred out to go to bigger schools. And then I'm sitting over here as a reporter that covers Valpo and thinking, you know, I, I don't know, uh, I don't know, you know, is it NIT? Is it NCAA tournament? It's such a juxtaposition. It's very crazy. I think the I think the problem for Valpo is almost going to be, you know, does the Horizon League give them enough uh, enough talent to play against to get them ready for the NCAA and NIT this year? <laughs> Do they have enough of a difficult schedule? Yeah, they got a tasty non-conference schedule with Oregon, Rhode Island, Kentucky. Those three games against top 25 teams should be very good. A tournament in Vegas where they play against uh, Alabama and then maybe then either BYU or St. Louis. They'll have good non-conference games, but then what happens after that? And look, Oakland's still going to be good. Link Darner's proven he can coach in Green Bay. It, it's it's not yeah. going to be – Valpo's, um, while they may be favored yeah, the, in every game, we talk the about transition. League, they're you know, not going to win every game in the Horizon League. And, Milwaukee's uh, had kind of a tough But then again, Valpo, no. Valpo, uh, Valpo uh, it's just it's um, too hard to go yeah, I mean, into you, you had the coaching you know, change nine different Valpo, places and win games. Yeah. And, and I mean, to me, it's I, I really felt like we were a better team than Northern Kentucky and they dropped us at their place this year. Valpo set a league record last year for average margin of victory in the conference. With, and they uh, couldn't get out of their first game Scott in the conference Nagy, tournament. So, who's an um, outstanding coach? We'll see what happens. I can't believe. We'll I honestly cannot believe they got Scott Nagy at Wright State because um, he did such an outstanding job previously. And then over up in Detroit, and probably one of the worst kept secrets on the planet, Bakari Alexander getting uh, up in Detroit. Um, I- I'm curious to see how that transition works for both of, both yeah. of those places. Yes, Detroit Mercy. We had uh, next man up. Exactly. We, I had um, K 
Carrick Jones, who's doing, uh, who's writing for Campus Press Box now, um, he had to, he commented on the new Detroit Mercy logo, which Tiger's logo crossed with uh, the movie Alien. So that's interesting. <laughs> he had a, he had a quote about that in his he had he had a thought about that in his column. I'm pretty sure he got that from me because I think that was my first reaction. But yeah, that's going to be an interesting. The Detroit Mercy transition is going to be kind of interesting, especially. For and I think we have to call him Detroit Mercy now, right? Brundage, uh, but you still do have Chris Jenkins. So I'm going to be very interested in seeing how that's going to go. Um, Wright State, I think, is going to be, um, you know, is also going to be. They're going to be in really good hands just because of the fact that the you know the coach they brought in. Plus, they've got all storks still there. <laughs> I'm back too, isn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, so they, they've got a pretty good, you know, Wright State has a pretty good core. So, um, I, I know at least one uh, preseason publication uh, picked them to finish last. I'm not seeing it. I'm just not seeing it. <laughs> one of my favorite people to be around in the league was Billy Donlin. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed talking to him on the record because basically talking to him on the record and off the record was the same thing because the guy really let his feelings be known. But I will say this, just a genuinely nice guy. Uh, every conversation I had with him after every interview, he'd say, how's your family doing? How's, and it was, and it wasn't lip service. He genuinely cared about the people that he was around. He got a raw deal. Um, I am so happy to see him land at Michigan Look, as journalists, you know, you're not supposed to cheer for people. You're not supposed to do it. You, you, you make relationships. You, you, you enjoy the people that you're around. You know, everyone who works in this world of college basketball, we kind of put our own personal lives aside for a couple months, and we go out there and we do this thing. And, and I just – I love being around Billy Donlin. And uh, Scott Nagy could be, the, could be great, and I look forward to get to know him. Uh, but I will certainly miss Billy Donlin in the league probably more so than any other person who took a new job this year. I do feel like Billy got a bad shake at Wright State, but you know, that's just how it is sometimes in college basketball. <laughs> Three, yeah. yeah. Now, this year, you obviously have the transition of all these new coaches, but then, you know, you, you always got to ask who's who those coaches are going to be on the hot seat. I mean, and surprisingly, uh, well, to nobody's surprise, you know, uh, you have Jerry Slocum, who's in the last year of his contract because he got his extension. That's um, even though I think a whole bunch of people transferred out of his. Jared Andrews, he transferred out, and a couple of other people did. And then, and I, I, I can't say that I, I have to say I am very surprised that his name is even coming up in uh, as a person on the hot seat, Gary Waters. And I don't really, I, I can understand why. But just the logist from a logistical standpoint, kind of having a little problem. Let me uh, let me step in on Gary Waters for a second, Jimmy. Maybe you can provide your own two cents after this. I don't think Gary Waters deserves to be fired or let go from his job. Uh, the guy has been dealt. Uh, like I play poker every once in a while. Everyone yeah. else is getting aces and kings, and he's getting twos and threes with his players that are transferring out of the program and all of that. And they're going to bigger programs for, for better opportunities. When I talked to him at the end of the, when he Cleveland State got eliminated last year, 
I just I just saw a guy that looked tired. He just looked yeah. tired. And I wonder for a guy, I mean, he's not 30 years old. So for a guy like him, no. Maybe he's not so much in the hot seat, but does he want to do this? Does he want to continue to And that's the other question. I mean, every time he's had a Yeah, every time he's had a good player in the last couple of years, Forbes, Grady, Lewis. Um they've they've bolted. And oh, you know what what's just, to say if Rob Edwards doesn't <laughs> blow up this year, he didn't go somewhere. Not just them too with a, they last year they weren't with a point guard for a reason. Kaza Keaton left, he went off to go be in Canada and go win Canadian college basketball championships with them. And then Miles Hamilton just blew up and that yeah. whole transfer kind of blew up in his face. So that was a big issue. And here are the other thing. Here are the other logistical things that I do not, which is also why I do not see Gary Waters. First and foremost, and this is the most important part, you have, you have an athletic director in John Perry. This is the last year of his contract. And I don't really see anybody going anywhere in the last year of his contract. He's going to spend all of his time, you know, making sure the lacrosse program, his baby, you know, gets off the ground and he's not really going to worry about anything else. The other problem, the other thing is that Gary Waters last 2019, he's going to be 69 years old. Um, Buying him out is just, you know, from a financial standpoint is going to be would be a Herculean effort. That would involve money that Cleveland State does not want to spend, period, under any circumstances, especially in the John Perry era. So just from a logistical standpoint, I don't see it. Now, in terms of what they're going to do now, I have no idea. And I'm saying that from a standpoint of a guy who follows them all the time, and I have no idea what they have in front of them. So you're, like I said in my preview, your guess is as good as mine. So, yeah, I, yeah, no, I was just say, it, it, you know, Cleveland State is, is still a Gary Waters coach team is going to be a tough team to go against. There's no question about that. And and then you look at yes. Youngstown State with uh, with what they've got going on. Um, turn the page. Let let these guys. Re- let these guys retire. Let these guys, you know, and, uh, yeah. But Cameron Morris would be a lot of fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> That'll be another episode. <laughs> I, w- I would say with oh god. Yeah. Yep. I yeah I actually yes 
I actually think that with with uh, with Youngstown State, we might actually see one of their better years. Now, it's not um, it's not because they're so great. I think that they're a team that I think Jerry Slocum does a good job of a, of 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 bringing talented players in. I just don't think anything really gets done with them, and there's really not a whole lot of depth, but. I think the conference is so down that you may see them, you know, more towards that middle of the pack. You know, they could be as high as, you know, fourth or fifth if, you know, the breaks go their way. I would like to see personally, if the Youngstown State's going to remain a member of my conference for the next, you know, the the, the foreseeable future, I would prefer that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go off on my Jimmy Youngstown thing. I, I would just say that I, I would prefer them to get the tra- I prefer they move to transition. Uh, just, just, just let it. Uh, obviously, you don't want to spend more in basketball, and you know if if that's how you want to do it, that's how you want to do it. But let's you know let's move on and try and get the try and get somebody who can succeed with li- with few funds. Green Bay went and got Link Darner. Youngstown State could hire a guy like Link Darner. Maybe that guy wouldn't. Maybe a guy like that maybe wouldn't be willing to go to a Youngstown State. But I, I really think that the the returning roster has a big a big part to do with that. So maybe at the end of this year, you kind of just let Jerry Slocum retire, like Paul said, and then just you know move on to the next guy. Maybe there's somebody in Division Two or Division Three who is successful enough and has the drive to come in. And maybe do something with a team like this for a couple of years because Cameron Morse does have a lot of talent, and maybe they can put something together where he's, you know, he he's putting something to, he's he's putting forth that talent as part of a winning team rather than just being a guy who puts up a lot of buckets. Sure. Right. Speaking of fading off into the sunset, Jimmy, it is time for us to do the same. Um, Paul, again, thank you very much for uh, being a part of this, our, our season premiere. Um, you know, for everybody else, you can... It's been my pleasure. Yes, absolutely. Um, we, will be, uh, we will be back in uh, two weeks, I believe, for our next episode. You can, uh, you can find us on... And wherever, you know, iTunes, you know, Stitcher, you name it, wherever you can find the podcast, we're there. Podcast people, you know, that's all we do. We cast pods. All right. So there you go. So until next time, we'll catch you later.